0: And now, it is time for news with my son. And on the phone from the Oregon coast, my son, Jefferson, who will assume control now. Good morning, my son.
1: Control feels like, in the context of our conversations, an overestimation of the role that I am able to play. I appreciate the nod to that notion. It feels like, to some degree, a saint, rather than a commitment. Good morning, Pop, I love you. This is a show, we talk about the news, we try to talk about the important stuff. Sometimes we talk about the unimportant stuff. When it's that important, we try to say so. We take turns. Dad typically takes the first several turns. Pop, do you have a shout-out?
0: I have three (laughs) shout-outs. You talk about about shout-out inflation. First. I want to shout out for LeBron James and the Los Angeles Dodgers, who have, who LeBron James convinced the Dodgers to provide their stadium at Chavez, Chavez Ravine for five days up to November 3rd for people to come and be able to vote safely because it's outdoors, free parking. And as a result of that, at least 12 other professional venues, sports venues, have said they are going to do the small, the same thing. No small thing. Second, I want to shout out for Judge Carlton Reeves, a Southern Mississippi district judge, federal district judge, who is challenging SCOTUS, Supreme Court of the United States, to revisit their court created qualified immunity rule, c- condemning the rule and saying they need to take another look at it. Let's hope they do. And finally, I want a shout out for SV, and I don't know if he pronounced it date or date, but anyway, who asked DDT at one of DDT's supposed press conferences. On the COVID, which is really just a campaign thing that he's done, he said, Do you regret telling thousands of lies to the American people? DDT, of course, dodged the question, but I want a shout out for that.
1: He didn't just dodge the question. He didn't just prevaricate. He did not just avoid. He did not just evade. He just
0: he asked just, another question. He just, he just he pointed just, at somebody else. That's it's exactly what he did. That's another concern. Yep. And, and before we dive into the news, I want to acknowledge that the Muharram, the Islamic New Year, starts at sundown tonight.
1: Well, Dad, last night was night three of the Democratic National Convention. Joe Biden is the nominee for president. Kamala Harris is the nominee for vice president. We had a chance to hear from Kamala Harris and a chance to hear from former President Barack Obama. Uh, First half of the evening speeches included Gabby Giffords, former former, uh, Congresswoman, uh, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, also Nancy Pelosi, and Senator Elizabeth Warren, many replete and white, honoring women's suffrage. Uh, policy areas included gun safety, the environment, small business, immigration, many more things. And then the night shifted to Barack Obama. Before I get to Obama, any takeaways beyond the former president, any takeaways from yesterday evening?
0: Well, do I have to limit myself to yesterday evening? Because we haven't had a chance to talk about The previous evening or the previous evening. Where do
1: you want to start? You want to start evening one or you want to start over?
0: Well, evening one, I thought that the most telling thing was Kristen Orteza, a young woman whose dad died from COVID-19, and who said the only pre-existing condition my dad had was believing Donald Trump which I thought was just absolutely dynamite, and that night we heard from former New Jersey Governor Christy Whitman, former Representative Susan Susan Molinaro, former Governor Kasich, all strong Republicans who spoke up for Biden and getting rid of Trump, and that was that it was, it was a memorable first evening. The second evening, there was just a, a, a lot of potpourri. Uh, Clinton, Pre- President Clinton, had a really interesting thing to say. He said that the unemployment in the United States is the only country in the world which w- had tripled the unemployment. And media wise checked that out and said that, that was true. And so those are what it went. And before, this is not exactly a convention thing, but it was a commentary during the convention from Michael Steele, the former chair of the Republican National Committee, who said, and I quote Donald Trump won't accept a loss. Get ready for it. That sounds like something yeah. we should seriously yeah, get rid Yeah, that,
1: that does sound honest. One thing I wanted to go over was the viral video that uh, the, the Democratic National Convention was showing, particularly about Oregon's contribution to it, uh, that showed uh, Rosa Colquitt and Travis Nelson, uh, friends and acquaintances of ours, also Shamia Fagan in the background, also Ron Wyden, and Jeff Merkley, who were in the background. The reason they were in the background is because they seated their spots as the uh, chairpeople of the Oregon delegation to Rosa Colquitt and Travis Nelson, who were both black delegates uh, and, in honor and recognition of, of Black Lives Matter. Uh, the 30-second clip uh, was really professionally done. Something I didn't know about, you saw that, I assume, Pop, right? Yeah,
0: uh, that, that whole 57, that whole 57- Fifty-seven district presentation people weighing in really, really effective. Much, much better than than the, the history how it's done when there are thousands of people present.
1: I agree. This is this is a time in history we should be looking for silver linings, and we should be looking for the things that, like for instance. Um, I'm trying to just have gratitude that I I get to be at the beach and I feel no guilt about that because it gives you a chance to be in studio, which is something you really miss doing. I'm trying to look at silver linings. And one of the silver linings is forcing us to be creative. And I thought the roll call was, in so many ways, the speeches without the audience feels uh, feels a little empty. It feels like it's missing something. But that was an example where the convention felt like it was full of something more. And where, there, where there was uh, individual creativity uh, brought to it, not only picking which person in a funny hat was going to say which words, uh, but also figuring out backdrop, also figuring out, there's just more creativity brought to it. And did you notice, I had not noticed uh, the context initially, and that's my bad, uh, but did you notice where the thing was filmed and, and its significance?
0: You mean where the Oregon thing was filmed? Yeah. I, where was it?
1: It was in the Hollywood Transit Center. That's where white supremacist Jeremy Christian killed two men on the MAX train uh, back two and a half years ago, nearly, actually three years ago. Excuse me. After they uh, had stepped in to defend uh, passengers who were targets of, of Christians' racist, of Jeremy Christian's racist slurs, and remember we covered that story. He was sentenced to life in prison just this last June. Uh, and that was where and, and if people were wondering if that backdrop drop looked unfamiliar, it's because the transit center has had a refurbishment. If it looked familiar to you, that's because that was the Hollywood Transit Center.
0: Ah. Bernie Sanders. Not, Bernie Sanders. Not not, oh, excuse me, go ahead. how are you? Are you there? Go ahead, Pop. Okay. Bernie Sanders really, really came through. Four years ago, his uh, his support speech for Hillary Clinton, yeah, but, but the one he gave night before last, he went all in. And uh, just my compliments to Bernie Sanders. The, uh, one of the things that I would like to comment on, though, is one, last night especially, there was just a whole lot of pushing to get people to vote early. And of course, one of the reasons, and a legitimate reason for that, to vote early is because of what DDT is doing, or at least trying to do, with the post office to make it difficult to vote by mail. But I have mixed feelings about that, and I'd be interested in your take, and let me explain why I have mixed feelings. The Unfortunately, a significant portion, indeed it's probably a majority, of American voters don't start paying a whole lot of attention to elections and to candidates, especially to down-ballot candidates, until the last month or even two or three weeks before the election. And it concerns me that people being pushed to get their vote in for the president will also be expected to vote for United States senators and United States representatives and for state legislators and for state governors and secretaries of state and for city mayors and city council people. And they may be casting their ballot before there's they've really paid much attention to those down ballots. And, and that is of some concern to me.
1: I, 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 it does not concern me as deeply. Katie shares the concern. She likes so This year we did it earlier, uh, but she likes voting on election day. She likes dropping off her ballot, and that's usually something we do together. Uh, and head over either to the the Multnomah uh, County Elections Office, or even just down to uh, if you're going to do it the same day. That's pretty where you have to do it. And uh, and we've enjoyed that. This year we did it early. I, here's my here's my counter, Dad. My counter is that uh, one category, a big category of people who vote early, are pretty high-information voters. If they're paying attention enough to hear the message, "Hey, vote early," and if they have the wherewithal to, in fact, vote early, then I think the odds that they're that they are paying attention, as you know, at least at an average rate, or maybe better than average rate, as other voters who are voting later, I think they're going to end up voting with with a pretty good amount of information. Uh, that, that's the first thing The second thing In a state like ours and, and unfortunately What most people don't know Is our state Is well It is uh, Yeah My audio did get muffled I don't know why I, You guys all sound strange now uh, The uh, When we Maybe that will be a little better uh, Can you hear me, Dad?
0: Yeah, I can hear you fine
1: Okay uh, I, I just got a note that the, That the sound got weird uh, when we and then I do want to get back to the convention, uh, we have a couple of clips to play. Uh, but when in Oregon, we have an advantage. We have a voter's pamphlet. By the way, did, did you know that we're one of the rare states with a voter's pamphlet? Oh
0: yes, I know that very well. Yeah, and and, and as a matter of fact, the, the, uh, one point the the Federal Elections Commission was was uh, concerned that somehow that was a a bad thing when actually it's one of the best things that oregon does i
1: think i think the voter pamphlet is probably one of the reasons why we have higher voter turnout it's you know it's hard to know chicken and egg right it could be that we're a place that cares about democracy and therefore we do things like a uh, voter sample statement or it could be that we have a voter pamphlet statement and therefore we have an electorate that's a little more engaged and a little more informed but regardless uh in oregon where there's a voter's pamphlet the uh, uh, and and where people can vote early, I tend to think that people, you know, they, they study for the test right before the test, and so stuff that w- whether they vote the same day as if they vote the last day or they vote early, uh, and because of those two, th- you know, they're going to end up with about the same amount of information. Because they'll wait to read the voters' pamphlet, and in states without voters' pamphlets. Uh, they'll look at the internet, they'll do their research, you know, right before they vote. Some people earlier, but, you know, many will wait until right before they vote. So I think you end up probably having a pretty similarly informed electorate. And that means what it allows people to do, what it allows campaigns to do, is a bunch of people vote early. That allows the shrinking of the voter universe. And I recognize that your concern is a, you know, I, I hear it, and mine is a little more of an apparatchik's concern. But the, uh, but when a bunch of people vote early, that means that it shrinks the list. Just practically speaking, it shrinks the list for all the phone bankers, for all the texters, for all the people sending last minute mail pieces. Those are quote, mostly those birds are in the air, particularly all those phone banks and everything. All of that wrangling effort to try to gather ballots uh, is made streamlined and simplified, and that amplifies significantly the power and leverage of those forces, because of all those get up of forces, because all that energy can be focused really on just the balance that might not come in. So that's my that's my counter. Although I hear your concern.
0: Well, I I agree, and and I also hope. That a significant percentage of the early voters will be folks who have been paying a lot of attention, uh, and I suspect that's true. But that's why that's why I say I just that's why I say I have mixed emotions. I'm not opposed to it. I just right. have mixed emotions. Here's here
1: is the uh, let's get back to the convention. I do want any other let's talk about last night, but any other takes from the first two evenings of the convention. How have you felt about that? How, you have been to a bunch of conventions. Uh, I've been to what? I've been, I guess I've been to three. Uh, how many conventions have you been to? Five. You've been to five conventions.
0: I was a delegate twice. I had the okay. privilege of addressing the convention once.
1: All right. So I, too, have been a delegate twice, uh, and I've been to three. How do you compare this? I know it's a wacky question. Well, so I, you, I, I, the the interesting
0: question. thing is... Uh, First, we need to admit and, and acknowledge that, increasingly, over the last many <laughs> conventions, conventions have become not places where decisions are made, but have just become infomercials for the party holding the convention. The, in 1980, there were real decisions to be made, and I can say that because I was successful in having a legitimate floor fight over a plank in the platform. And we had a debate, which was a significant debate, and a a roll call vote on it. But since then, less and less are are really any decisions made at the convention. The, The conventions just ratify things that have already been decided. And recognizing that I think the infomercial, which we should acknowledge as what it is now, is better. It is better because first you don't have all of the crowd noise that is blocking out a whole lot of stuff that is being said from the podium. You don't have to deal with that. You don't have the crowd interruptions, so a speaker can really can be more effective in because not being interrupted and. And I think we might want to seriously consider that this is the way to do it, pandemic or not.
1: It, you, your insight is styled. It overlaps with what uh, with Julia, our uh, erstwhile uh, engineer and still uh, and still team member, uh, she said, you know, it's pretty much an infomercial now. And you're right, Dad. If it's become a TV show, now that it's just more obviously a TV show, and a TV show that able to be produced as a TV show uh, rather than trying to capture a play on camera right the people can play directly to the cameras rather than playing to the crowd with a camera there uh, it, that does have some advantages I guess uh, but that we did get uh, we did get President Barack Obama last night
0: who was who was uh, really good and who really departed from history in that he, directly attacked the incumbent.
1: Yeah, let's get, we've got, we've got a little bit of a, we do have a little bit of a clip, maybe even of that, as the president's club rules went out the window as Obama unloaded on his successor, Donald Trump, who's characterized by his staff as in rare form, uh, by his former staff that is. Let's play that clip. For close to four years now, he has shown no interest in putting in the work. No interest in finding common ground No interest in using the awesome anyone but himself and his friends. No interest in treating the presidency as anything but one more reality show that he can use to get the attention he craves. Donald Trump hasn't grown into the job because he can't. The argument that he made that we thought, where he instead of attacking, and this is this is Obama's style that is, it feels now to me, even as he criticizes, Barack, even as even as he criticizes Donald Trump, that makes Barack Obama's style feel so refreshing. Is that his style of communication was one intended to unite? One of the painful ironies of history is that, uh, largely based on racism, uh, the uh, that his presidency was one that uh, has been analyzed by social scientists and political scientists as one that helped give a a rebirth, hopefully a last gasp, of explicit white supremacy in political action. Uh, But he rose to prominence at a convention that you and I attended. rose to national fame with his speech when he said, we're not red states, we're not blue states we're the United States of America. And that idea, even in even in going after Donald Trump, he didn't he, he had a different kind of move. Whereas Hillary Clinton was uh, was criticized by the right for saying that well a bunch of bunch of obama a bunch of Trump's uh, supporters were deplorables uh, and others who who sound very very partisan when they do it. Somehow it was a nonpartisan critique when he said we thought that he could grow into the job. We hoped that he could grow into the job. America, and he's speaking for America, We hope he could grow into the job, is that he can't go into the job. That's not saying that everybody who voted for... It, it's a very nuanced, in my judgment, a very nuanced critique. He's not saying anybody who voted for Donald Trump is a dumb-dumb, or, or a racist, or an evil person. Uh, he's saying, oh, this is a decision that was made in the country. He's not saying that it was a manipulated election that didn't count, that he was an illegitimate president. He, he gives credit to the victory and gives credit to the people who who voted? I'm not saying it's the right move but I it's an interesting move uh, it gives credit to the people who voted for him and said yeah we thought that you know he knew would have into the job but now we know that he can't and that just reminded me of the of the uh, typical rhetorical architecture that is uh, the, uh, typical is not his standard his standard rhetorical architecture uh, and then the other is this reminder that Barack Obama said at the beginning you know there's uh, two Donald Trump. Remember, there are laws, uh, but there are also norms. I like—I think we should call them principles rather than norms, because, you know, are norms good? Depends. Uh, but there are principles, there are norms, and you got to make sure you watch out for those norms as well. And he's been criticized, you know, he's criticized the president for not uh, abiding by those norms. Well, uh, President Obama went against what had been a norm. I would call this one not a principle, uh, but a norm that former presidents don't, Criticize current presidents And I guess if you're going to spend uh, Three years and eight months Or whatever it is Three years and seven months uh, Violating Violating presidential principles That Donald Trump has done Then a former president might violate A presidential norm in his speech At the next Democratic National Convention
0: Yep DDT uh, has Has changed a whole lot of things For the worse
1: the, uh, uh, Emily, Emily Goland who uh, had a note that what it is that Obama was working on his speech up until the final moments. Uh, yeah, I will say speaking for myself. I, th- I think there are some people who have their speech nailed down and all they do is spend time um, memorizing it, you know, practicing it uh, up until the very end. I will say that, that my habit is a little bit more like that where I continue to tinker. Uh, continue to try to respond to the moment hopefully not merely procrastinating but there's probably some of that too uh, until it is in fact time to take the dais
0: yeah me, me too as a matter of fact when I, when I addressed the National Convention on, on my MX plank in 80 I was still deciding exactly what I was going to say almost right up to the time I walked up to the podium and, and that's a
1: that's a thing when you're saying that now it feels like an infomercial. What well, you just said there isn't any of that, right? Like whereas you used to have you'd be debating about the platform, and then you'd be able to address the convention to try to uh, try to argue for a point on the platform, and that would give a chance to and you'd get a chance to take the stage. That stuff didn't happen. Does that stuff happen at all anymore?
0: Well. Yes, yes, not this time. Yeah. As we, the, the, we haven't seen any votes except, except the vote to confirm the nomination, the, uh, the, the roll call, which was, there, there hasn't been a vote on the platform so far. I, I assume that maybe tonight there will be a vote on the platform, but uh, it is very, very different. For
1: our younger listeners, this is you know probably what it feels like, right? Well, okay, this is a, this is a different kind of TV show. It's a TV show without a live studio audience. But it, political conventions didn't start out as TV shows. <laughs> they started before TV. They That's started right. out of the big meetings of the party, where the party decided what the party stood for, ratified what it stood for, uh, and made changes to what it stood for, and decided who its standard bearer is going to be. And, of course, the convention started before the standard bearer was picked prior to conventions of the, convention, so the convention would actually have a question about who the standard was going to be. The standard was going to be. That's how Abraham Lincoln and other presidents became the president. Uh, that's how. That's how Teddy Roosevelt was not able to become the president uh, against Taft because the convention threw it to Taft, even though he had in the early state voting more votes. Uh, and that's where my dad Joe Smith got up in front of the 1980 Democratic National Convention and made a speech about how the MX missile was. Not an intelligent thing for the uh, it was a, a particularly mobile a pretty type of mobile uh, nuclear missile uh, It was not a intelligent thing not a moral thing for the United States to be uh, engaged in
0: of uh, course it's, yeah. the, the the convention this convention is misses the the fun all of those delegates who got elected they they don't have their participation was over the first night (laughs) that was it and conventions are so much fun where and and all the schmoozing and deals being made and and opportunities being looked for a whole lot goes on not from the platform in the old time convention and and that some good and some bad by the way and that will be missed but uh,
1: I remember I remember when I went, Pop. We're going to take a break in just a second. And, Ed, you, need, you should give the... Yep,
0: why don't I do that right now? You're listening to X-Ray FM and at KXRY Portland and KQAC HD3 Portland, 107.1 to 91.1 FM, streaming online everywhere at X-Ray.FM.
1: We'll be back in just a second, but that'll say this. And when we come back, I do want to talk about Senator Kamala Harris now, uh, vice presidential nominee Kamala Harris and her speech. Uh, and her candidacy and and which is not too early to talk about her potential i mean it's a little too early, but even now, like it means she is a likely candidate for president again in twenty twenty four she's really a really significant human being for us to be and political figure for us to be addressing. Uh, but I remember when you're talking about the fun times and the influence and the and the meetings that I went for the first time, and the pitch I made to go was i want to go and See if I can bring resources back to Oregon, and, and some of the relationships that I that I built or strengthened there did help uh, help galvanize what is now the national uh, national organization that was the Bus Project that now is uh, the uh, uh, Young Voter Alliance or the Alliance for Young Young, young Voters. I forget, uh, and is now you know more than ten million dollar a year organization and run by somebody from the Obama administration. And some of those relationships were it's when I. When I met uh, now uh, Jay Inslee, the now governor of of Washington State, was when he saw me speak to the Washington delegation about this idea that we had, and it later took root as, in fact, uh, the Washington Bus, the Oregon Bus Project's affiliate in in Washington State, and that partly helped take root because of a because of my visit to the convention and my being invited to address the delegation the washington state delegation as well as some other delegations and then addressed and then James saw that liked what i had to say and had me uh say hello to his party that was happening later that night uh and so things do happen like that another thing though that happened when you're saying well they're not all they're not all good news is that i remember and i don't know if you remember this but when we, we were given a gift bag when we arrived, right? Like, I don't know, it was a hotel or whatever it was. We were given a gift bag. And I remember, I'll still remember, I don't remember most of the things in that gift bag. The one thing I do remember was a little squishy, a little squishy, like, hand, uh, like, stress reliever ball. But what it was was shaped as a lump of coal. It was shaped as clean coal. I was given a lump of clean coal to, as a stress reliever, along with various propaganda about the benefits of coal. This is what happened with political conventions, is that they have convention sponsors who then give you presents. Why don't we take our break? We'll be right back, and we'll talk about Senator and now Vice Presidential nominee Kamala Harris. <laughs>
2: Support for x comes from Gary Boyer with Director's Mortgage. Gary has served and supported our community for over 20 years and specializes in residential mortgage loans, refinances, construction loans, and debt consolidation. Gary Boyer can help you secure a locally funded loan for your next home. More information at MortgageMonkey.com.
1: X-Ray.fm is supported by Peoples Food Co-op. Since 1970, Peoples has worked to offer responsibly sourced products at fair prices. Working with over 40 local farms to provide fresh, organic, farm-direct produce year-round. Peoples is collectively managed by community members throughout Portland. Located on Southeast 21st Avenue between PAL and Division, Peoples is open 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. during the COVID-19 pandemic. There is a 10-shopper limit in store. More information at their location on Southeast 21st Avenue and online at peoples.coop.
2: X-Ray FM, The Numbers, and KUIK would like to encourage listeners to support Black-owned businesses in Portland, including the online apparel brand National Beard League. You can check out National Beard League's shirts, hats, and more at nationalbeardleague.com. We'd also like to mention Swapkin, an online fashion brand. You can find out more at Swabkin.com. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this, you can listen to our shows anytime, anywhere through our mobile application, available on both Google Play Store and Apple Store. You can find it by searching Xray FM. At X-Ray, radio is yours.
1: So, Dad, the event last night culminated with Senator Kamala Harris accepting the nomination as vice president. Why don't we hear the clip of Senator Harris accepting that nomination?
2: In this election, we have a chance to change the course of history. We're all in this fight, you, me, and Joe, together. What an awesome responsibility. What an awesome privilege. So let's fight with conviction. Let's fight with hope. Let's fight with confidence in ourselves and a commitment to each other. To the America we know is possible, the America we love. And years from now, this moment will have passed and our children and our grandchildren will look in our eyes and they're going to ask us, where were you when the stakes were so high? They will ask us, what was it like? And we will tell them, we will tell them not just how we felt, we will tell them what we did.
1: Dad, how do you does, feel does, does about... That, 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 sound,
0: that sounds very familiar to me, by the way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what Dad's referencing, although I said, where were you a bunch more time, where were you was my... Uh, was uh, for a while through sort of my... My key refrain, uh, including when I when I opened for uh, for President Obama and for prior to that, and, and, and more specifically, uh, Governor John Kitzhaber, uh, where were you? As sort of my was sort of my, uh, sort of my Colin response. I guess it wasn't a response; it was just a refrain. But yeah, it sounded familiar to me too. She said it one time. But yeah, what were your other reflections about the speech?
0: Well, one of the things that I just Jonesed on just now, and I, I, I'm recognizing that I'm risking being accused of misogyny and I'm not being oh, misogynistic. Yeah, I am I am recognizing the reality of something. She has a great voice because she is an alto. She is an alto and, and the fact that she's an alto rather than a soprano, and Elizabeth Warren is a soprano, the the her voice is going to really help battle Against the misogyny that people have, uh, the, the the knee-jerk negative reaction so many people have to women in politics, and she is a pistol. I mean, she was the other thing that I that she has her smile and her chuckle. I, I'm looking forward to her debate with Pence because I'm sure that she will show some. Very strong, strong, uh, maybe even anger, or at least, but, but I'm just looking forward to her chuckling. She, she is yeah, a yeah.
1: There's been some analysis that her ability. In fact, when she was um, Donald Trump had sent a couple of false tweets out during her speech, saying, "Wait, didn't she call Biden a racist?" Uh, and uh, and when she was asked that, she was asked that, and maybe you brought this up on air. I don't remember. Yeah, I did. Uh, she, yeah, she she, but, uh, she just
0: yeah, laughed and said, "Hey, it was it debate?" And she just yeah. laughed it away.
1: Right, and her. I mean, I th- from a I I do not know Kamala Harris. I know most people who know her. And early on, and I had heard of her back even before she was Attorney General uh, of California. And one of the compliments of uh, one of the compliments about her was that she was able, uh, was she was able to. Uh, uh, to laugh and, and and laugh in challenging circumstances. Uh and as as long as that can be uh connected authentically, as long as that doesn't end up feeling like a like a Joker's sort of thing, uh it can be really powerful. And of course Jimmy Carter was uh Jimmy Carter became famous for smile uh and for his huge toothy grin. People try to, to criticize him, but it also, you know, I think it helped make him president. Uh, she, the voice thing, and, and that's not just a gendered thing. I mean, Barack Obama has, uh, you know, a stentorian, amazing voice, and 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 the and the stuff that is, uh, you know, to some degree on the, well, not to some degree, stuff that is on the surface, right? The way a person looks, the way a person sounds, particularly what we're talking about is a TV show, and what we were, what you were just saying is that over the last three nights, what America has been watching, or some portion for of America is in fact a tv show uh the performance as tv characters matters as tv characters and I'll, I'll say just a couple things about that this particular tv character more importantly she's a historic figure most important but more importantly she is uh the first woman of color nominated to the vice presidency uh, more importantly she is a u.s senator and former uh, executive office member In the state of California Prosecutor uh, She has for the last She was yesterday evening Also a TV character And as a TV character You made a couple of points uh, I, uh, a couple things She started a lot Talking about family And I think that that is um, In the reflection of the I, I was watching it uh, Simultaneous with somebody Who used to be a Communications director For, uh, uh, for Oregon's governor and their take was, oh, they're doing that. They're trying to strengthen the family thing to blunt a potential attack, a potential sexist attack on Kamala Harris, uh, that she's not a that she's not a mother. And she did speak. She did uh, open her remarks with, with lots of lots of conversation about family. And and then uh, and and I also noticed how often she smiled. And, and that is and, and that is a, that is a talent. Like I have, I was criticized. You know, I, we speak from my own experience, and and I'd have you know, a dear friend of mine, and I Jeff, when you're talking, yeah, you sound like you care, but you don't smile, so you does not necessarily look like you care about other people. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay, you should probably smile, and and she, I noticed that she smiled a lot. Uh, I, will rec- I, I will acknowledge that what I do love about Elizabeth Warren, what I do love about Barack Obama, even you even mentioned the example of Bill Clinton, is in those speeches. And one of the reasons I love your speeches, Pop is that each time you have a chance to take take the stage uh you try to offer a you know some some important new insight right like uh, like bill clinton offered his uh you mentioned earlier in the show they've talked about the talked about the um, the unemployment factor which is sort of a novel fact delivering not only some heat but also some light uh, and and i i'm hope, hoping in the future tv shows kamala Harris. Will offer additional light, and will find elements of elements of insight. Uh, she, as a prosecutor, she has been praised, and will really be praised again for her ability to deliver a speech. Uh, and uh, and and what I really, what I really appreciate is when people teach, is when uh, is when political speakers uh, teach me something I didn't already know. But I recognize that I'm not the only audience. Well, Any but,
0: other? Yes, but I I I, say, I second ahead. that as you you have heard me say more than once that what a political campaign should be in part, in very significant part, is an exercise in education. It's an opportunity for us as citizens to look in the mirror and to ask who are we and who do we want to be, where are we, where do we want to go, and that depends upon the candidates Recognizing a responsibility not just to excite, not just to persuade somebody to check their box, but to educate. Dad,
1: who do you, who would you say is the audience for the convention?
0: <laughs> well, the audience for the the convention so far has, I think, pretty clearly been the the folks who have not yet really decided, which is, I suspect, a remarkably small percentage of the electorate who have not yet decided, and to also a significant extent, folks who are Republicans who might just be so turned off by the awful person we have in the White House right now that they can be persuaded not just not to vote for him but to vote for his most the only person who has a chance of succeeding him that and contrary to that i suspect of course we we'll, we will know but i suspect that next week the audience that they are looking at are the 30 to 40 percent of folks who will continue to support donald trump even if he shoots somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue, but we'll see.
1: Yeah, in a, in a social media world, I think all, what I'm about to say is probably, always, it's always been true to some degree. I think in a social media world, it's even more true. that There's this question of, you know, who's your intended audience? Is it the broader public who's tuning in who might decide to fundamentally shift its political views and its preferences? Is it is it the mythical, uh, the chimera swing voter? This person who's not sure what they believe about fundamental principles and precepts of democracy and morality? uh, Or are you merely, and people usually say it, is merely preaching to the choir? Uh,
0: I I realize there's something I need to add. Go ahead. Uh, the, The first two nights, not so much last night, but the first two nights, very especially, there was reaching out, most evident in Bernie Sanders, reaching out to folks who Uh, well of course I'm going to vote for Joe Biden because I would never vote for Trump but I'm not very excited reaching out to those folks to get them excited
1: yeah and this is why when people will occasionally deride or cheapen the preaching to the choir my response is yeah you preach to the choir to teach them to sing and because that singing is itself so very important and in a social media world uh, communicating core messages not only rallying uh, but communicating core messages and getting one's movement in alignment, getting one's uh, sort of app- communications apparatus uh, in alignment is, is a critically important enterprise. And again, particularly in the social media world, because that is then if the, you know, there were uh, 26 million people who watched it in, uh, in 2016. Uh, In 2020, it was down to 18.8 million people, but additional this year, additional 10 million people watched it by way of streaming video, which shattered the previous record. So people are tuning in, and if you have 20 people, you know, 18.8 plus 10.2, that's actually 29 million people who are watching something, some number of those millions of people also have the ability to influence and communicate with others. So I think there probably are folks who are tuning in saying, okay, well, I don't always pay attention. Let's check in this TV show, and maybe this TV show will help me. I, I will say, one, the 1984 presidential convention is one of the reasons I've misspent my life the way I have. Watching, watching Mario Cuomo and Jesse Jackson uh, give speeches that spoke to my 11-year-old brain in a way that, uh, that I will never forget.
0: Uh, some, some, something I think uh, I would also like to mention to our audience, yeah. to the folks out there who we love you because you listen to this show, I have been doing all of my watching on C-SPAN. And the reason I've been doing it all on C-SPAN is there are no interruptions for commercials. There are no comments dropped in. I, we get everything that is being put out. Uh, very and MSNBC and CNN do a pretty good job I think but but uh, if you have access to c-span you can get it unfiltered by anybody and for heaven's sakes oh there's an article in in this morning's Guardian on the the Hannity and the Tucker Carlson who, all during every everything are, are just spewing spewing hate spewing spewing hate go to c-span and you make your own judgments
1: then why don't we why don't we switch over uh, we should talk about the um, uh, we got a text in don't have to be excited of mr biden to vote for him uh, yeah that's it's uh, and that we've got another thought. Thoughts on D.N.C. removing elimination of fossil fuel subsidies from the platform. Uh, I do not have initial thoughts on that. Yes, I do. I, I will. I will tell you this one thing. And this is, and this is one of the reasons. This is a reason to be in favor of a Green New Deal this is a reason to be in favor of massive investment in a new energy economy. I have said this story before on air and therefore either I'm sorry, or you're welcome for my consistency. Uh, a friend of mine, guy from Corvallis uh, who worked in the Obama administration. I've known since I was a kid and he, uh, and we had during, during the, most of in 2008 election, uh, we had, uh, uh, we went and had drinks it was at the, was it the Gypsy it was a bar in Northwest uh, and uh, and we were and we were sitting and he wrote uh, he wrote me a note on a napkin that said we can't win without coal and then he took the napkin back and he wrote down I think it was four states uh, and one was Ohio one was West Virginia I forget the others one was Pennsylvania, and I forget. I think it was one more. Uh, and then he wrote those states on the abbreviations for those states on that napkin, and he handed that napkin back to me. And and it was and it was a political education for me. Uh, and and I had an idea of this guy's politics. Right, he was he's a stronger environmentalist than I am, to be sure. Uh, and and I I was not tracking the the elements of the platform and. And, uh, and, and fossil fuels' existence or elimination uh, in, in that platform. So that I'll plead by ignorance. Uh, but, it's, but I will give that bit of context, that, that, uh, that it could be as simple as, and I think it's at least in significant part, as simple as, not as easy as, but as simple as, recognizing that right now this country and this economy is absolutely in all of our lives. And the phone I am speaking on right now, the laptop I am using to communicate with the production team, the microphone that Dad is in studio talking on, all of those were not only shipped but also made out of fossil fuels. Uh, we are absolutely addicted to oil. Our, our, our lives and our economy are addicted to oil. And that is not an excuse to do nothing about it. In fact, that should be a rallying cry to do something about it. Uh, the, and the art of leadership and, and, and what Ron Heifetz, how Ron Heifetz uh, defines leadership is uh, disrupting a system at the rate it can be absorbed and each time somebody's running for president they are uh, they're doing an analysis of how they can to what degree they can disrupt the system and is that at a rate that can be absorbed is that going faster that can be absorbed and the hope for all of us is that those judgments are not being made merely by calculations on who is paying the freight but on some on, on, on some degree of moral judgment and uh and, of course, it is why we have to address that, uh, that money impacts our... It's why I'm in favor of sortition, uh, and it's also why uh, we desperately need a Green New Deal so that we become less addicted to the systems that are poisoning so many. Uh, Dad, Steve Bannon was arrested and charged with fraud. Did you already catch that story? No. Yeah, he was uh, charged uh, today with fraud by federal prosecutors in New York. Word just came out this morning. Uh, He and three others defrauded donors out of hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, based on the allegations for their own profit with a crowdfunding campaign called We Build the Wall. The campaign has taken taken in over $25 million, makes him the sixth person linked to leadership of the 2016 Trump campaign to be hit with federal charges. The others are Roger Stone, Michael Flynn, Rick Gates, Paul Manafort, and Michael Cohen. According to the website, We Rebuild the Wall says it will focus on building portions of U.S. southern border wall and manage the support operations required for and the process associated with the design, engineering, construction, maintenance of the wall. The indictment says the organization did indeed spend money on a border wall, but that hundreds of thousands of dollars were siphoned off for the personal use and benefit of the defendants. Uh, so, so there you go. It's probably time for a laundry list from you, because you probably had stuff on the convention to talk about, so I should be quiet let you do Time for laundry list.
0: <laughs> okay, well first, my laundry list, <laughs> my DD laundry list is kind of short, but he, I, I wonder if the tires on the presidential limousine are going to no longer be Goodyear's. They are presently Goodyear's. Because DDT is mad at Goodyear for telling their employees, no political hats on our assembly lines. The but when we talk about corruption, another example, this is a thing I've talked about before, and, and just William Pendley is the acting director of the Bureau of Land Management. BLM is aptly described as one of perhaps the most important federal agency that nobody knows about. It manages millions and millions and millions of acres of federal land. And DDT had submitted Pendley's name to be the confirmed director of the BLM. He has pulled his name back because it was clear it would never be confirmed by the Senate, but he continues for over a year to be the acting director and this is a manner a man who denies global warming who says oh, the ozone hole there's no evidence who says there's no evidence for acid rain who is a terrible terrible person towards people of of color especially immigrants and yet He continues to run a really important federal agency as acting because the Senate doesn't speak up and say there's just got to be a law. One of the first laws that should be passed next year if we get a majority in both houses is a law that says when you appoint somebody as acting, there is a time limit and when that time limit passes, and it should be a short time limit, when that time limit passes, if you have not submitted his or her name for confirmation to the Senate, that person ceases to serve. Do you have any thoughts yeah, on Dad, that?
1: Yeah, Dad, you've been talking about the interims for a long time, and, and it is it is a manipulation of, of constitutional authority the way that uh, this president is uh, using those interim appointments, but any event, what uh, what do you got let, next? Let me
0: let me let me laundry some court stuff. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals is looking at whether or not there should be a change to the opinion addressed by the SCOTUS by SCOTUS in 1981, where SCOTUS said that it was constitutional to have a men-only draft registration. And they're looking at whether or not that might be required to change because women are now permitted in combat and actually required in combat. The Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals has revived four Arkansas anti-abortion laws, citing, so help me, citing as their authority, the Roberts critique, <laughs> Roberts minority critique of the last SCOTUS, uh, ruling that just came came down last month, well, wow, it's just amazing to watch. Oh, I should uh, a local court news of significant: the nine hundred and twenty-five million dollar verdict against Vyselus for robocalls has been affirmed by Judge Simon. He said it's just a simple matter of math. The statute says. $500 per violation multiply that by the number of violations and that you get $925 million, which hopefully will be noticed by other robocall companies to watch. Jessica Denson, former colonel, is uh, suing no, not, not, not former, for, former uh, employee of the DDT campaign, is suing to ask that non- disclosure agreements required by the by the campaign were too vague, too broad, and should all be thrown out. That's something to watch. Colonel Catherine Spletsasser is suing the vice chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, four-star General John Hyten, alleging sexual harassment. And the thing, reason that's significant is the court is going to have to decide whether or not a member of the military can sue in civil court for treatment that she received in the military from a military. That's something to watch.
1: Well, Pop, uh, one thing that I'll add, in California, we've got fires and blackouts amid the heat wave and a pandemic. Twenty-three major fires, more than 300 smaller ones reported on Wednesday. The Bay Area Area has 15 wildfires. Uh, The cause of many of the fires has been an unusually high number of lightning strikes over the weekend, 11,000 lightning strikes. Because of the pandemic, California has deployed less than half the usual amount of inmate fighters. The state is in the sixth day of a punishing heat wave. they got up to 130 degrees in Death Valley, record-setting heat the National Weather Services
0: Worldwide Worldwide record setting
1: Yeah Uh, warned that air quality may be very poor for the foreseeable future It is 75 days until the election by the way and 40 days until the first presidential debate That's happening on September 29th Uh, Another little piece of news Well not a little piece of news but a short little piece of news is that Michigan will pay $600 million to victims of the Flint Crisis, uh, and Dad, there's probably time. Uh, I think it's probably time to head for a straw in the wind. Before, uh, before, I, get, before I get to the
0: straw, you you just you mentioned California today. Today, if uh, if the a court order that was entered on the tenth of this month, that's ten days ago, is not changed, the Lyft and Uber may suspend service in California because the court has told them that they have to comply with a statute that makes their their employees employees rather than private contractors. That's something to watch. So, shall we go with straw in the wind? The Here we are. I have three straws in the wind. First, 2,500 leading evangelicals have produced a Christian statement for Pandemic Times, which can be summed up in which they say, we need to listen to Anthony Fauci. Wow. Second straw in the wind. New York law has been passed, which allows, not just allows, but requires public information to be made available on police discipline, which reveals there have been in the last few years 4,000 complaints Ten officers had more than fifty each. One lieutenant had sixty-nine, fifty-eight of whom were black and eleven Hispanic. That one lieutenant has cost the cops, it cost the city of New York one point five billion dollars for twelve suits, and those cops get paid between hundred and forty-four and two hundred and forty-eight thousand dollars a year. Holy smoke! And the last straw in the wind. BP Oil, even though they lost $16.8 billion in the last quarter, had their stock go up because of their promise to, over the next 10 years, multiply their investment in solar and wind by a factor of 10. That's a very encouraging straw in the wind.
1: Dad, we did it one more time.
0: We did it indeed, and we will be back on Monday. And you will be back in the studio, and it will no longer be news with my son. It will be news with my dad. (laughs)
1: Love you, Pop.
0: Love you, too.